Welcome to the Challenger Podcast, your HR passport for trends and issues of the day. I'm Colleen Madden Blumenfeld. On this episode, I talked to our EVP of International, Rick Cobb, about ageism and bias in the workplace and how it affects job seekers who are trying to further their careers. So bias, everyone has biases. Uh, we, we have things we like and don't like. And so I'm going to use the benign bias, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, in this example. But so let's say that I have said to all my friends and peers, I do not like people who wear flannel. Mm-hmm. And then they go, well, wait a minute, Rick. Uh, what about, you know, Frank? You like him. He wears flannel all the time. And I'm going to say, well, yeah, he's not a grunge guy. He's a lumberjack. Mm-hmm. That's okay to me. I'm okay with lumberjacks. I don't like people who like grunge music, which, by the way, is not true. So the point of that is, even a benign bias, I have exceptions for personal experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I say to the market, I am 58, even if I look 50 or 48, and people are not calling me back. You know, it's interesting. You look at the demographics for the workforce, and you have, I don't like the word millennial, so we'll say basically Mm -hmm. under 40, Mm -hmm. which is what, a third of the workforce now. But the other, another third of the workforce is what we would call the 55 and over worker. And um, there's a tremendous amount of noise, comment, resentment around being discriminated against based on your age. And I think it's valid. But I will say, having been in this business and now being older, uh, having been in the business for over 30 years now, it's always been true. I had a, a Fortune 300 customer in New Jersey early on in my career and I was meeting a senior executive and uh, he was very angry with me primarily because he thought I was one of the young smart Alex from HR out of corporate. When we went through the re-engineering events of the uh, early 80s, we took layers of management out and the, the calculus was really who's the most costly. Yeah, yeah. And that did that turn out to be the older worker? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you know, you, you've, what the, the, the dynamic of the traditional uh, American model for performance was you, you stay here in this role for 10 years, earn your way up to the next promotion, you work your way up the ladder, and of course with every promotion there's a salary increase. So that by default means that when you're cutting costs, and, and if that's your responsibility or your goal, one of the easiest, not necessarily the smartest, but one of the easiest things to do is to get rid of salary. And so you get rid of salary means you get rid of older workers. Uh, I think that's really, a big, it creates the, the, the legislation we have now against age discrimination, right. really. Right. So we've seen a lot of big companies in the last six months to a year offer these buyouts mm-hmm. to workers of a certain age, sure. uh, over 55, who've been there for 10 years. Uh, it seems like a lot of companies are trying to get rid of their older workforce. Yeah, so it's a cost-cutting measure specifically. You can say that it's performance-related, and it can be. Um, I think that you do, if, if you're uh, a strategic-thinking HR executive or a senior management team, you look at your key contributors, the ones you want to hang on to, and you really don't offer them that option. Right, uh, right. You, So you, you hold out those people that you really want, irrespective of age and cost. Um, and then you start to look at, okay, we'll offer this. It, it's voluntary, so it's not discriminatory. Right. Because right. if you don't have to take it, but this is made available to you. Uh, experience uh, implies that, okay, if you don't take it, there'll be a less desirable option down the road. Right. If we can't hit our financial targets, 
will have to take more, uh, take harsher measures, uh, whether that's true or not. But that's what that's the expectation. So you pointed out there are three issues around yeah. this situation. Well, you know, it's 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 frustrating for us being in the outplacement business and knowing what you need to do to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's irrespective of level. And and let's just take this for a second. And I'm gonna we're gonna talk about ageism, but I think this really it's a bigger uh, umbrella. It covers people who experience some sort of bias or discrimination for any reason, gender, race, etc. Um, so the first one is legal, and there are laws in place that uh, are designed to protect people against discrimination. Those are laws. They are they they exist in court and in government. They do not necessarily exist as a compliance behavior in companies. And the amount of time and energy, that it's sort of like a divorce. You know, if I'm going to defend or if I'm going to uh, uh, accuse my company of discrimination, it is very much like a divorce. I have to be willing to go all the way to the end and fight right. with the hope that I win. But the reality is in most markets, you better win enough so you don't have to work anymore because you now have this stigma of being a difficult employee. And I'm going to identify with your former employer before I'm going to identify with you, mm-hmm. unless I just hate them. Right, you know? right. So so that's the first part is legal, and it's tough. It, it's, it's not the challenge that you can take on as someone who's looking for work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. The next one's really moral. And so you look at the moral issue and say, it's not right. You know, I'm, I've, I've never made a mistake. I've hit all my numbers. I'm, I'm performing at the level that I should be performing at. And it's just, that's not fair. Uh, and equity and fairness is a part of the human condition. Same issue though, really. The reality is, I had a client years ago, a, a president of a division of a company that was owned by a foreign national and, and they came in and they released him. And so we're talking and he said, I have never made a mistake or missed the target. I want a letter that describes why this happened. And he was very upset. This is right in the heat of the moment. And, and, he, and I said, so let me ask you, and we'll call him Joe. I said, Joe, so you want a document in writing created by the company that says they don't want you there anymore that will be approved by their chief legal officer and by the HR team and the executives who fired you. And you want that document to exist even if you die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me for, he said, okay, I don't want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's no value there. Yeah. People do not hire the best candidate. Okay. That's not the human condition. You know, we're now in the, the technology, uh, in, in human resources and in general in business, are to the point where, hey, there's an algorithm out there for that. Right. You say there's an app right. for that, there's an algorithm out there mm-hmm. for that. So if, if it was about capability, and accomplishment, the government would have some big, you know, supercomputer, and anybody left at the end of the day would go to jail because yeah. they can't. There's no job for them. People hire who they like. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't mean I want you over to my house for dinner all the time. Right. Right. Like means I can see you in the job. I can see you doing the things that you need to do. I can communicate with you. I'm comfortable with how we would interact. I can see you in charge of the people that you'd be in charge of. I feel good about that. That's an emotional decision. Mm-hmm. It's very often a bad hire based on yeah, that, but it's right. still how people get hired. Right. You didn't get fired probably because of performance either. Not in, in modern environments, it's usually because you had a change in your reporting relation. You know, we're, we're, we're over trying to overcome, and I fit that category. You know, at my age, I, I'm trying to overcome an inherent bias towards what I have as the ideal in my head mm-hmm. 
of what will make me happy. You know, go back to the dating analogy. You know, it's it's you, people say, um, you know, you you'll see people that I want this, 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 this. These are the things I want. I want MBA. I want international experience. I want them to have a single digit handicap. I want them to have gone mm-hmm. to Notre Dame. Whatever these all these are the purple squirrel, right. right? And the reality is, is that I want someone to solve these problems. And I'm never probably going to have them use their MBA. And I don't know if they're ever going to go internationally. And I don't really want somebody beating me on the golf course anyway. Right. So the heck with that, right? I need, but that's what I, that's my, my fantasy. The reality is somebody that fits. You can have the perfect person and they won't get hired because when it comes down to it, the person sitting across them is, I don't want to work with them. And you can have somebody that isn't an ideal fit in terms of the, the filtering mechanisms but when they get there, they go, man, I really enjoy talking with them. I'm very comfortable in how we interact. I can see this happening. You can't do that on paper. If you're highly employable, you can. Uh, somebody who's trying to overcome discrimination, you cannot go in with a chip on your shoulder. But you have to get past the filtering. That's the part. For any for somebody who's marketable, you don't have to. But for somebody who's got liabilities or biases that are inherent, you have to get past the the filter. What if you're already in the organization and you'd be a good fit, mm-hmm. but you're being kind of pushed out? Mm-hmm. We go, I'm going back to the moral right. issue. Yeah. Is, is there some way to cut costs without losing this talent? The, the talent could be there. Yeah. And they're just, well, you're older and we're just pushing you out. You've been here too long. Yeah. What the, if they are a good fit, actually? So it depends on how how immediate this reaction is going to be. Right. All right. So if you're if you're looking at you know, we do tend to go to sleep on our careers. I've certainly yes, done it, right? Sure. Where you kind of go, I know what time. I, I know what I eat for breakfast. Mm-hmm. I know what the commute's like. I know what time I'm going to get there. You know, it's much easier to go through the day-to-day stuff. All right. One of the things that you have to be hypersensitive to in any career is when your reporting relationship changes. That is the most dangerous time in a career. Doesn't matter if they're your best friend. Mm-hmm. Reporting relationships mean when you know that the new coach comes in. And she wants to play out of, you know, the, the, she wants the wing over here and she wants somebody that can go downfield and that's not you, right. right? Then you're going to be in trouble. So when the reporting relationships change, you have to be front and center on not only the work that you do, it's impractical to be the, the quiet, accomplished person. They know how good I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll know it. They'll just, they can't possibly get rid of me. I'm, I'm absolutely irreplaceable. You have to make sure without bragging that you people understand your contributions. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is you have to put your hand up. Right. You know, so if you have the opportunity to say, hey, you know, we, we gotta this is what we gotta do, and it's gonna require somebody like, you know, come in the Saturday or or take on this additional uh, employee or you know what? You gotta you gotta step up on that. Yeah. You gotta step up and do it. I mean, the more multi tooled you are, the more willing you are to take on stuff. And the more you clearly communicate your accomplishments, yes. the more secure your role is. And I think the other part of it is is that modern life means that you shouldn't just go out and date all the time when you're married, mm-hmm. but you certainly should be mindful of the fact that there are other companies and what your skill sets are. If you're looking at what you do for a living and you can see that what you're doing based on technology, or offshoring or outsourcing or the new acquisition puts you at risk. You have to you have to have a conversation with yourself and somebody else who can help you think that through and say, hey, you need to think about this. You need to pay attention to where you are. This may not be the place for you in the next couple of years. And maybe dating around is 
You go just go on a few, you know, quote yeah. unquote practice interviews. Get out of your shell. Don't don't just do the nine to five or 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 even worse, the the eight to nine or right, whatever right. it is, and just like I'm gonna work so hard that they won't know what to do without right. me. But no, you have to taking care of yourself means I'm gonna make sure other people know how good I am. Right. You know? The point is you have to make sure that you're desirable so that your own employer goes Oh, I don't want to lose Colleen. Mm -hmm. You know, there's other people that are always talking to her. I don't want them to talk to her. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's another way to make yourself more secure. Right. Next week on the Challenger Podcast, Rick and I continue our discussion. If you don't have a job, you are 100% unemployed. Even though you are being discriminated against by the general market, there are things that you can do to help yourself. Okay. Yeah, so. So what are some of those things? To learn more about Challenger, you can find us at www.challengergrade.com. I highly recommend you check out our testimonial page. We're also on social networks at Challenger Gray on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us on LinkedIn, Challenger Gray and Christmas Inc.